L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. What's up, Open Floor Globe? I'm your host, Michael the Pod Pina, and I'm joined on the other line by my good friend, Sports Illustrated senior writer Chris Herring. Chris, I did not share this with you on the outline for this episode, but today I was thinking we could power rank all 27 songs on Kanye West's 10th uh, studio album, Donda. So I hope you're ready for that exercise before we get into the NBA rumor mill and open up the mailbag. Does that sound good to you? It sounds horrible to me, actually. Um, I mean, the thing is, we could probably do this podcast four times, and it still would be shorter than the album itself is. So very fair. Um, yeah, what the hell? I, I I'm just very confused on several levels about that album, which I don't know how much time you want to give to it. But someone was asking me; they were like, you know, did you think it was really good? And I was like, no, like it was maybe okay. Uh, if it wasn't Kanye, I don't think there'd be much hype around it at all. And same person asked me, how many of these songs do you feel like you'll be listening to years from now? And I was like, mm, none, you know, maybe one. I don't. <laughs> and e- even with the albums I don't like of Kanye's, Jesus uh, being near the top of those. Uh I've got songs of that album that I will still listen to occasionally that were actually pretty good. Um, I thought The Life of Pablo was actually like upon, you know, repeat listens was actually had songs that were very good um, that I like. Uh, I just don't see it with this one. And, um, you know, that goes aside from me just really having been out on Kanye for a long time, which it's weird because he was my favorite rapper for Mm years and and like the peak of you know you call college the peak of your life it, you know late registration came out the day before i started college and i just remember lying on my bed at my house my childhood home and just listening to it saying this is incredible i love this and just feeling like i was in this zone and that was you know utopia for me and so it's just kind of hard to reconcile that with what you know 
and that's aside from bringing people that have been accused of, you know, credibly accused of homophobia, obviously, but then um, sexual assault allegations and bringing those people on stage with you just to seemingly make a point, which it just kind of feels like so much of this stuff, setting yourself on fire, bringing Kim Kardashian on the stage with a wedding dress. Sure, it's just, sure. Everything is just shock value. And it's like, let your music stand for itself. The artistry is fine. You know, having them replicate your childhood home, fine. But, you know, and that goes aside from a whole lot of other things the last few years, which I have a lot of commentary on. But now I'll get into the range where I'm talking as long as Kanye's album is, which I did not want to do. So let me stop right here. Yeah, it's the off season. So I thought I would open it up with something, um, you know, to fill the space here during this this dead time on the NBA calendar. And Chris, you certainly filled the space there with. uh, Did you like the the album? So it's I'm settling into it. I, I'm with you. I, we're the same age, I think. So like when you hear an artist at certain points in your life and you can hear certain albums at certain points in your life, you just are forever emotionally attached to them, I feel. So if anyone else was doing this, I would not be paying attention because it's him. Uh, I am and I'm trying to work my way through this monstrosity of an album um, on more than one listen to give it some 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 time and some thought, but uh, yeah, check back with me in a week and I'll and I'll have a more definitive answer for you on it. But but then that means I'd have to listen right to now. it again to to like <laughs> make sure that my opinion is what I said it is. But I don't I don't want to. And um, no one's making it. That's know. okay. I, I I don't know. As someone, I, I've said this for a while now, for at least the last year or two. I remember there was a show on Showtime called Kidding. It was a Jim Carrey show. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the most awkward shows I've ever watched in my life. Like, it's Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey's kind of a, a different sort of dude anyway. Um, but I remember watching it. And it's like, it's not quite my sense of humor. I'm sure there's some people. It's, it's just very, very kind of crude, like weird, off-the-wall humor, which I don't really generally go for that but you know i like jim carrey i do think is a good actor um the Mm -hmm. show is is interesting and you know for me once i'm five or six episodes in a show i have to finish it regardless of whether i'm really liking it or not and i went ahead and like tweeted out to the masses that i thought it was like one of the most weird shows i'd ever watched Mm -hmm. and i remember I'm pretty sure it was either the writer or the director of the show like liked the tweet. And, you know, when someone calls something the weirdest show they've ever watched, most awkward show I've ever watched, it probably doesn't come across as a compliment. Like, I made clear I was still watching it. But I was like, ooh, you know, sometimes you can kind of forget that particularly, like, people that write for a living, that, you know, that have an opinion that other people value to some extent. Uh, you know, the, the people that put work into this are putting their work into it. It's their life. It's their livelihood. So I've always thought, like, maybe be a little bit, you know, tread a little bit more lightly about things like that. I think particularly now that I'm writing a book, I have a book coming out. Like, you know, you don't want to put your heart and soul into something and then people be like, oh, it's mad awkward. Um, I get the impression <laughs> Kanye probably doesn't care quite as much. He's accomplished a lot more than, say, me or, you know, a writer for Showtime. But, you know, maybe I'd, I'll, I'll take another listen to it. I just kind of feel like so much, again, of what he's doing is shock value. And, you know, the music, given kind of the, the plaudits that he's gotten over the years, 
Like, if anyone doesn't need shock value to really get people's attention when they put out an album, it's Kanye West. So I just kind of wish he could let that stand on its own a little bit more. But, you know, my first that's, listen, that's, I just thought it yeah. was okay. It was okay. Yeah, that's that's not who he is. So to, to double check and circle back, um, if I were to blurb your book writing, this made me feel awkward on the back <laughs> cover, that's not something that you would want. <laughs> you're gonna be doing this podcast by yourself on thursdays for the foreseeable future <laughs> you're right but it speaks to why i probably like i said i need to maybe take a breath or two before i just kind of spew my thoughts out there but i yeah again that's coming from a someone who was a diehard kanye fan in college who now you know more often is kind of just kind of cringing with a lot of the stuff that he says and does so we'll see i don't know i sure. i didn't hate it but i didn't love it i just think it was kind of okay Spew away, Chris. Spew away. Um, in actuality, on today's show, we will be diving into the latest developments in the Ben Simmons story. We'll be answering a few more emails. We'll be opening up the mailbag um, and having a quick conversation, potentially at the end, about Anthony Davis, who I wrote about earlier this week on SI.com. You can go check that out right now. Uh, before that, a quick reminder to keep sending us all of your questions, your thoughts, your your dreams to openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. Uh, I've been, and Chris, I'm speaking on behalf of Chris and Rohan, we've been so appreciative of just like the wave of genius that is coming into that that email inbox um, over the past few weeks and it's really keeping us alive right now with so little to talk nice about. Kanye so. type description of genius. Go ahead. Go ahead. Nice job. <laughs> sure. I like it. So uh, let's let's kick things off with the the biggest story in the NBA, um, Chris, um, and that is I think Ben Simmons' fading relationship with the Philadelphia 76ers. So just to give a little bit of a backdrop here, earlier this week the Philadelphia Inquirer's Keith Pompey reported that Ben Simmons met with Sixers owner Josh Harris, President Daryl Morey, GM Elton Brand, and uh, head coach Doc Rivers to let them know that he was basically not interested in playing another game for the team that tried to trade him for James Harden and then publicly blamed him for their loss in the second round of the playoffs. So with the heat turning up here and Damian Lillard and Bradley Beal seemingly content where they are right now and not available in a trade, it feels like the Sixers might have misread this situation. Uh, just what are your thoughts on the latest developments in this in this ongoing saga? I mean, the, from the beginning, and I've said this, I've, I've kind of written this um, to some level, you know, on some level, the Sixers are going to dictate, obviously, you know, when and where he gets traded, um, because I, I understand trying to build a market and trying to, you know, as, as someone that just tried to get rid of my apartment, I moved into a condo and still had a lease left on my apartment, so someone that was trying to get rid of that, you try to sell it for exactly what you think it's worth or what you feel like you invested in it. And then after a while, you step back and you're like, oh, shit, nobody else thinks it's worth this. And so you have to drop the price. I, I just went through that painfully. Um, I mean, I think the Sixers valued Ben Simmons a little bit more than I was valuing my apartment. Um, you know, And I couldn't get rid of my apartment. So what does that say about Ben Simmons? You can't get rid of him asking for four first-rounders. That was never going to happen. Um like, you know, the the Rockets didn't get that for James Harden, so why are you thinking? And I remember saying this a year ago, almost a year ago, with Zach Lowe when we talked about this. Um, you know, Simmons is such a particular sort of star. Um, four first-rounders generally kind of signals that this is your franchise guy. 
you are throwing everything you've got for the next few years at kind of making sure that works, making sure he's your piece. On top of the fact that, you know, it'd be different if he were like, you know, still on a rookie contract where you're not paying him that much yet. You're paying this dude 35 mil or whatever it is a year. Um, and you might have to rehab a whole lot of things with this guy. I mean, I don't know how this is going to affect him going into next season. Clearly, a change of scenery would be nice. But, I mean, the Sixers are asking for the moon and the stars for the guy, which you can start there. But at a certain point, if you're not asking for less at some point or saying, okay, we can come to an agreement on something less than that, two first-rounders and a, you know, a, a decent young up-and-coming guy, uh, you know, I don't know what we're really talking about here. They're not going to get four first-rounders for him. I knew that at the beginning. Um, so I don't know what they'll end up settling on. I don't know if maybe they can get a couple of young guys and a first-round pick. Um, you know, I don't know who would want him. I don't know if it's Minnesota. We just saw Sam Amick's report about the idea that it's <laughs> essentially not going to be Sacramento, which um, – you know, it's interesting just because I kind of feel like that is a place where maybe he could work a little bit. Yeah, um, I want to I talk about destinations in a second because that's just obviously that's what we do here. And Sacramento to me, I, I won't step on my thoughts on Sacramento right now. But I guess like my take on this is that they are like you bring up the, the four first rounders, which is is I, that has been the asking price. But it just makes me, like, if you are an organization that is trying to win the title right now, I guess there there's always value in having draft picks, but they're in such a unique situation where they're trying to trade their second best player um, as a title contender. You got to get talent back. So yeah. that's where it gets very complicated here. And the teams that he wants to go to, you know, the, the, there's, I guess like there's multiple reports out there about where he wants to play and where he doesn't want to play. Right. And what teams are actually able to give what the Sixers would want. But the Venn diagram between all of that is just like, I don't even know if it exists. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's just, weird. There's no one in the middle there. I So I remember, I, I can't remember whether we discussed this on a previous pod. Um, I got killed. And I I will readily admit, like, you know, if I've got flaws as a writer, which I do. Um, one of them is I'm horrendous at, like, trade machine stuff. I don't mm-hmm. pretend to be good at it. I don't particularly like it. So Jarrell, our editor, uh, one of our editors, uh, emailed me several weeks ago, texted me several weeks ago and said, hey, you know, stuff is starting to run dry a little bit. You know, it'd be you have enough people that follow your work, that like your work, that they respect your opinion, would probably love to do a mailbag with you. Why don't you open it up on Twitter and, you know, via email and have people write into you and, mm-hmm. you know, throw ideas your way about, you know, what they're curious about, what they'd like to see. So I said, sure. And one of the questions, you know, unsurprisingly, was about Ben Simmons. Uh, what would you think of a Simmons trade to Brooklyn and Dinwiddie and Joe Harris go back for, you know, for Ben Simmons? And I was like, uh, you know, I actually kind of like it for Philly. I don't know that Brooklyn would do it. Sixers fans, like, showed up at my front door the next day. <laughs> like, they're still probably out there if I were to open the door. Um, is that I why you had to really... sell? Is that why, is that why you had to sell your place? <laughs> Probably, without knowing it at the time, I didn't realize they're going to be that angry. But again, I'm, I, I don't <laughs> like. I really don't like trade machine stuff. I get that it's fun. I, you know, I, I guess we deal in plenty of hypotheticals. I'm not a GM, so like, I don't. 
I don't purport to know like proper value for guys. If something's really egregious, then I'll know it. But for me, you know, everybody was responding to me on Twitter and uh, basically, yeah, the, the Sixers would have to be completely wasted to make a trade like that. Like they'd want so much more than just Spencer Dinwiddie and Joe Harris. They'd want multiple picks back, blah, 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 blah. For me, I'm just, I think my error in that is that I was looking at it saying, those are two guys that would immediately help their depth, that would give them another really nice ball handler and a really dynamite shooter. That's all you should really care about. Like, I mean, if you want to win a championship, theoretically, if you win a championship, it doesn't matter what the hell you get back. If, if dumping Simmons completely for nothing were to win you two championships, which that would be weird if it did, but if just doing that would do it, who cares what you gave up, really, to some extent? Um, so from my vantage point, that's kind of the way I was looking at it, kind of forgetting about, oh, yeah, you would probably want some picks back. But just from a roster construction standpoint, I thought that was a brilliant sort of, you know, that would be a brilliant sort of opportunity for them to tap into if it had actually been a thing. Again, it's a hypothetical, really doesn't matter. But that's the premise I was looking at it through, the prism which I was looking at it through, which I think is kind of what you're saying is that your future returns matter. I mean, obviously, you don't want someone that takes a job that's not thinking about the future at all. But if you're in a situation where you're really, really relying on your draft picks a whole lot, aside from anything, you know, really pertaining to like being able to trade them for something, uh, you're kind of in a lot of trouble anyway because you've got Joel Pete on that roster and you've got Tobias Harris on that roster, and you're going to be paying these guys. So, I mean, not to mention the extension that you just had with them. So you you got to win. You don't have Doc Rivers there to, like, worry about five, six years from now. you got to win right now. So it matters, but it shouldn't be the bane of everything that you're doing. I mean, if, if you get some talent back, some real talent that you see exactly how you plug them in, that matters way more than anything else. And if you get a pick or two back and some talent, great roll with that the idea of holding four picks over teams heads and saying we need that or nothing's going to happen you know who knows whether he's being that you know that uptight about it and that's exactly what he wants and he's not moving for anything other than that. i don't know it's rumored it's reported but if he is actually doing that and that's what's holding this up it seems foolish to me do you if you were daryl Morey right now first of all do you think that he has misread this situation and is just in terms of how much time he basically had to kind of wait out the Dame situation, wait out the Brad Beal situation, um, call Simmons bluff. You know, there were reports earlier this summer that Simmons was unhappy and that him and Rich Paul, his agent, were in step with um, with the organization and trying to find a new home for Simmons. But now it seems like it's been a little more adversarial of late. And, you know, there is a threat out there in public that he will not report to training camp. And so if you're Daryl, like, do you uh, do you call Simmons bluff here and say, if you're not going to report, then, you know, we'll fine you for breaching your contract and um, kind of just, go from there or like what 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 do you do if you're Daryl Morey here um or, or or do you say okay I will take 60 cents on the dollar to get him out of here to get the potential distraction out of here to keep Joel Embiid happy who I don't who knows what Joel Embiid is thinking after the tweet storm that he had yesterday it was very kind of a little confusing and hard to follow there what um 
yeah. what he's, his thoughts are in the situation. But I doubt that Joel Embiid wants to spend training camp and the preseason and then into the season answering questions about this. That, this, that doesn't seem like something he's in, he'd, be, he'd be invested in particularly. Yeah, I mean, it's something where I think Daryl Morey could, you know, push the pedal a little harder um, and play this all the way out. I imagine that Simmons sitting out, threatening to sit out, actually not showing up for stuff doesn't help his value either. Um, at a time where his value is already the lowest it's probably ever been since he's been a pro. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think it's particularly helpful to Doc, to Embiid, to the team as a whole. To I mean, the longer you play this out, the longer theoretically it's going to take for the new guys to gel once you actually do trade Simmons, too. Like, it would have been nice to have gotten this out of the way. Um, and quite frankly, we've known for quite a while now, seemingly, that Dame's not going anywhere, at least not right now. And Beal, I mean, like, at the start of free agency, right, that, you know, they basically made a couple moves, and Beal was like, I'm happy with this, or consent enough to where it's not going to, you know, he's not going to be moved. He doesn't want to be moved. So... What are we really talking about? Like, I mean, Simmons has been the trade piece on the market since the day after the Sixers season ended. Really, we've known that. Um, you know, you had a couple times where the Sixers kind of walked things back, and Doc essentially said that maybe he spoke a little bit too candidly in, in the heat of the moment or what have you. But I mean, you don't, you can't really put that cat back in the bag. And um, I think we've all known that for a while now. It's just weird to me that. Um, I don't know. I, I think we kind of know the teams that are interested, but essentially what you've seen in reports repeatedly now is that's too high an asking price. And so at some point, you know, the, the asking price will come down. Um, we'll see. You know, if you start to get into the point where the season's starting and they still haven't come down enough to where someone's willing to pull the trigger, then at that point I start to question why would you go into a season with that still hanging over your head? Um, but again, I, I just think the chemistry, when you've got a team that good, why not put yourself on the best foot? Uh, you know, Daryl Morey is an interesting guy. I mean, I, I think the one critique I w- have always had of him is that he maybe isn't concerned enough about team dynamics and team chemistry dynamics. Um, you know, all the, every year it was like a new star in Houston, seemingly, you know. Um, and, you know, I remember Jeremy Lin, who was kind of always in between that, like, really, really popular player, star slash star sort of situation. He was never quite a star, but was kind of talked about as if he was one. I remember when the the Rockets were trying to sign Carmelo Anthony in free agency, and they put up like one of those huge digital images of him on the side of the stadium or on the billboards or whatever, and they took Jeremy Lin's number and put it on Carmelo while Jeremy Lin was still on the roster. And, you know, just stuff where it's like, you know, it it just – it doesn't – speak particularly well of like you know how much value you see in kind of really wrapping your arms around the guys that are on the roster and embracing them so that's why i'm saying i could see this kind of a game of chicken i don't think it's beneficial for either side but i could see it you know i I just wouldn't understand it in a situation where you've got a legitimate contender with arguably a top five player who you know just want to and a coach that's won a championship before that just want to get out there and play and um you know, if it's going to be Simmons yeah. there, then they need to know that. If it's not, then they would probably benefit from knowing that too. It's just a really interesting situation because he has four more years left on his contract. So it's not quite like the Anthony Davis force out or 
Harden forcing his way to Brooklyn. Um, also, Simmons is not as good as those guys, and Simmons' game is a lot harder to fit into every single environment where it's not like yep. Harden. Oh, just give Harden the ball. He, he'll be fine. He's going to get 30 a night. He's going to be efficient. He's going to be one of the best passers in basketball. Anthony Davis, he's going to be the defensive player of the year candidate. Uh, doesn't need the ball to impact games offensively. Can screen, can roll, can do can do all that stuff. Um, so Simmons is just really unique. And so th- when we get to the conversation that we're about to have um, about where he makes sense and, you know, realistically makes sense versus where he wants to go, it's just it's a really complicated discussion to have. And I don't see, you know, if you do move Ben Simmons, I don't know that you're going to get back a player who has ever made an all-star team or will ever make an all-star team in the future. And it's just, it's super complicated. So like, you know, one of the reports is that he wants to be in California and play for one of the three teams, even though there are four teams in California. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what the Clippers could offer beyond their two superstars. And they're not going to give up either of those two players for Ben Simmons. Um, I don't know, like, Russell Westbrook for Ben Simmons. I, I just don't. I can't honestly see the Lakers making a trade like that. It just doesn't. It just doesn't seem realistic to me. Um, and I also think that they're better off with Westbrook, which really says something because I'm not really a fan of Russell Westbrook in that situation either. Uh, the other team, you know, we're gonna. I want to talk about Sacramento in a second, but. Um, the Golden State Warriors are kind of the other big fish here where there's been some intrigue, I think mutual intrigue and disagreement um, with regards to his fit there. But like, could you see, so they've said, there's been reports that they don't like the fit of Draymond and Ben Simmons um, on that team. But like, what about trading Draymond in this package or having a third team come in and moving Draymond and bringing in Simmons? Could you see that happening, especially hey. coming off the the uh, the interview that he had with Kevin Durant where he basically laid ether to his organization and his front Damn. office and his head coach? Uh, so in theory, yes. In practice, no. Um, in theory... Simmons replicates a lot of Draymond's skills, except that he's actually more explosive. He's taller. Um, He's more athletic than Draymond by a mile and a half. Um, But in practice, when we talk about Simmons and um, just kind of how... And I know that the last couple of years have probably made him more this way. When you look at like what your own Weitzman has written about him, um, he's a guy that kind of already feels like he's there, or at least his agency kind of talks about him that way. Um, he hasn't won a title before. He is someone that is, and, and I guess Draymond is guilty of some of this stuff too, is afraid to take certain shots um, where we've seen Draymond do that. Even in the play in game, we saw Draymond do that. Um, but, I mean, the, the biggest difference is just if you had taken Rodman off those Bulls, the Bulls might not have won some of those championships. Like Rodman was was fiery and had a personality and was going to be, you know, kind of a sandpapery sort of annoyance. 
to the other team. Ben Simmons is every bit the defender Draymond is at times, mm-hmm. but Ben Simmons is is not confidence level, I think, where Draymond can be sometimes. Um, he doesn't carry the weight in the locker room that Draymond does at times. And quite frankly, if you lose the heartbeat of that team, which Draymond has been before, and I think even to the point where Kerr has said, look, there are times he goes overboard, but if him being overboard at times means that we can win the way we do all the time, we'll take it and I'll allow it. Uh, I I think you need that pulse there. I mean, Draymond is an ever-beating pulse, and Ben Simmons does not strike me that way. Uh, So talent-wise, yeah. But, you know, in practice... I, I could not see doing that. Um, yeah, I, I just could not see doing that one. I, I just think it would be. And quite frankly, if you're Philly, it doesn't. How does that help you? You know, I, I'm not sure that it does. It gives you maybe slightly less of a problem because Draymond. I mean, the, the thing is, if you did trade Simmons to Golden State and you didn't include Draymond in it. You could tell Draymond, we need you. Look, even if you shoot poorly, we still need you to shoot threes because we can't allow the defense to just cheat inside so much to where, um, to where they're just, you know, they're, they're not extending. The defense isn't extending. We can't allow them to just run everybody at Steph and no one at you and nobody at, at Ben. Um, so I could kind of see that in the universe, but I just don't know. I don't know if Philly views it as such an upgrade for them. Uh, you know, and I don't know that it helps them. Like it puts them sort of in the same situation that they're in now. Can I, can I interject with a straightforward question? Sure. Who who is better right now, Draymond Green or Ben Simmons? Hmm. <laughs> Our producer Shelby is going to have to cut out the silence in between. No, my no, no. I mean, I, answering it. No, I, 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 I honestly think. So much of that is contextual, but I think Simmons is better. I just think that Draymond in that role, which we've seen him perfect there in Golden State, that role changes a whole lot where all the wide open stuff that we get to see Draymond run in Golden mm-hmm. State where he's just running downhill and he's got four against three all day long, you don't have that in Philly for a lot of the reasons that you know they're trying to move Simmons right now, that they don't have that sort of spacing, they don't have that sort of floor spacer. So Draymond would look a lot different in a situation where he's playing in Philly, which is why I'm saying I don't know that that really solves anything for you if you're Philly. At least Simmons has the athleticism that he has. Um, and, you know, and part of what Philly has been based on for several years now is length. And Draymond is, is great for his height when you're talking about length, but not relative to Simmons. He's not. So I don't, I don't think that's a trade I get really excited about. Sounds really sexy. And, you know, I know that's been a criticism of Philly at times before is that maybe they don't have enough fire on their roster. So from a leadership standpoint or just kind of like a, damn, I really care about this standpoint, I think they go up a notch. But talent-wise, I don't think that makes them better. I, that's why I like the idea of a Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe Harris sort of thing, you know, picks be damned, because at mm-hmm. least you're addressing the roster needs in a way that I don't think you would be if you got Draymond. Yeah, I think the picks are more like okay. Even if we move, if we, even if we don't get a superstar here, if we have three or four picks, 
we could attach that to Tobias Harris at some point down the line, and hopefully sure. the star that we want is like, I want to go to Philadelphia, and that kind of cuts off the other suitors. Um, I don't know, though. I mean, it's very complicated, and the we're, we're currently in the process of uh, ranking the top 100 players in the NBA, which is torturous in a lot of ways, and... So I just have the 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 Draymond Simmons thing kind of on my brain. I don't have an answer for you as to who I think is better, but bringing in fit and bringing in the Steph Curry element for how he benefits Draymond and how those two complement one another is really difficult to kind of answer that question. I do think that the Warriors would be really great with Simmons in terms of setting themselves up for the future just because of he's what six seven years younger than Draymond yeah and I don't think necessarily that the Sixers would be in a better spot there um I don't yeah, that fit either. doesn't make a ton of sense L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. have a ton of questions about LASIK you're not alone that's why we created LASIK.com one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Real quick, I want to touch on the Kings. A Simmons for De'Aaron Fox trade just makes so much sense to me, and I just wish it happened. The league would be so much more interesting. Uh, Fox is obviously that pick-and-roll, high-usage ball handler who's kind of languished in Sacramento, even though last season he started to hit step-back threes a little bit. The jumper's coming around for him. He's like at his peak will carve you up. Uh, there's There were some games last year where De'Aaron Fox was just, okay, this guy is like going to be a top 10 player pretty soon when he gets to his prime. Uh, I'm a huge fan of his game. And, you know, just going off the, the dumb rankings conversation again, I would probably have De'Aaron Fox ahead of Ben Simmons personally. Um, I just think he's better. So 
a trade like that that would loosen things up for Halliburton and they just drafted Davion Mitchell. Uh, I don't know. I think that that would be – that's a trade that I just – it's one of those I, – I, I don't understand why that's not a thing that people are talking about. I I, I just think – well, I, I'd be interested to hear your, your rationale on it loosening up stuff for Halliburton, meaning – how how do you think that would loosen stuff up? Well, you can play Ben Simmons as a screener. Like he can, he doesn't have to be a point guard. Like he can do so sure. many things. He's humongous. Like let him be the like let him be Draymond on certain possessions. Let him be uh, do what Giannis did in the in the playoffs, where he's setting screens for Chris Middleton and diving hard, and um, he's a lob threat. So I'm not saying he should do that all the time. And I'm saying that like, he can still run fast breaks and like, I don't know, but like, if you have a defense that also has Davion Mitchell and Ben Simmons, like you have an identity, they were the worst defense, like at NBA history last season. Like they should, like, uh, I don't know. I think the Kings are the only team that obviously I've done all this research on the nineties Knicks that since Jeff Van Gundy resigned from New York in like December of 2001, the mm-hmm. Kings are the only team that has more bottom 10 defenses over that span than the Knicks do, um, which is just like, holy hell. <laughs> like, because the Knicks, with the exception of like three or four years, every single one of those years has been like a bottom 10 defense. Um, this past year being one of them. And I think that the Kings have like one more bottom 10 defense than the Knicks do. And it's just like, how is that even possible that like 18 of the last 21 years or whatever it is? You know, 16 of the last 19 years has been bottom 10 defenses. So that part is significant. I hear you. Um, I think a lot of teams right now, and if ever there were a team that doesn't fit into this, is probably the Kings, just based on how much they've struggled. I think a lot of executives are probably sitting here saying, I cannot trade my franchise guy for a guy that I'm not clear I can build my franchise around. And that, mm. if, if you do trade, De'Aaron Fox that's essentially what you're saying we feel like we're in a better spot obviously this is what you would be saying we feel like we're in a better spot with this guy than with this guy and um you know I think Fox again is theoretically easier to build a team around but within the construct of what you just said uh Mitchell being a, a, a key focal point of that I think that you know that you could see a, a universe in which they at least have a very clear identity a couple of years ago their identity was playing really fast and De'Aaron Fox helped you to do that. I remember writing a story about the fact that, you know, that they were seemingly, it was almost like they were gazelles where they could just run the whole game. And even in the fourth quarter, their pace wasn't falling off. They were the fastest team in the league, basically, and didn't get tired. And they would wear teams down and in the fourth quarters. They would win games. Um, still playing at that pace, other teams would turn the ball over from being tired and exhausted. And the Kings just wouldn't. And so, you know... The idea of having a true identity that's sustainable, that's not based solely on athleticism all the time, which it is to some degree, you know, with with a player like Fox. Um, you know, I, I see the logic there. I don't know if I would do it, but I think that there's there's always going to be hesitation from the perception of the deal. Like we gave up our best guy to get this guy. And uh, so I, I, I understand them not making the deal. It would be interesting. I wish that they would find a way to trade for Simmons regardless uh, you know, if, if even if they aren't giving up Fox, I think it would make them better. I think they're they've struggled enough to where you just have to get talent in the building, um, regardless of kind of how it how it's done. But uh, yeah, I don't. To me, I think it would be most important for him to get them. I don't. You know, this 
the Warriors, it's interesting, you know, and maybe does kind of throw them even more in contention. But, you know, if you're the Kings, it's kind of like, what else are you doing here? Uh, you might as well go for it. Yeah, and Monty McNair is the GM of the Sacramento Kings and used to work in Houston with Daryl Morey, so there is a relationship there. And I'm just, I, I know nothing. I'm just spreading past connections <laughs> and pla- past uh, places of employment for these people. Um Okay, so we wow, we spent a lot longer talking about Ben Simmons than I anticipated, but uh, we have a question um, via email from longtime listener Steve, and this kind of is tangentially connected to Simmons, which uh, and kind of elaborates on a different team as well. So Steve writes in, "Hello, Open Floor. I am a passionate San Antonio Spurs fan." With the Ben Simmons chatter escalating in recent days, I've been thinking about whether the Spurs should make an aggressive offer. Here's a question. How do you evaluate San Antonio's young core? I wonder if, for example, a 31-year-old DeJounte Murray might someday be as good as Jimmy Butler has become. Both players started their careers as defensive specialists and grew their offensive game steadily as they gained NBA experience. Also, is there a scenario in which Derek White enjoys a mid-career rise similar to that of Kyle Lowry? Both are plus two-way players whose sharp impact on winning is perhaps masked by humble counting stats. Might Jakob Pertl continue to improve to the point where he offers 90% of what Rudy Gobert gives at a fraction of the cost? Is there a scenario in which a 27-year-old Lonnie Walker wins sixth man of the year? How might Keldon Johnson's game evolve over the next few years? In short, would it be wise for the Spurs to continue their current player development strategy, play the long game, and try to build a top-four team in the West organically? Or should they try to swap their young players for an all-star, flawed as he may be, like Ben Simmons? Keep up the great work, guys. Thanks for all you do. Uh, Thank you so much, Steve. That was a wonderful email. And we don't really talk too much about the Spurs on this show, but um, I thought that like, I'm personally a fan of their young core and everything that they're building there, although I'm not sure... Like, I can't definitively say that any of these guys, um, and I'm a fan of a lot of them, will ever make an all-star team, frankly. So I don't know what the interest there is on Philly's part. But what are your thoughts on San Antonio's young core, um, independent of Simmons, and then, you know, as a potential trade partner with the Sixers? So I'm right there with you as far as I don't know if it moves the needle enough for the Sixers. I like the, the question is fantastic. I mean, there's multiple questions in there but I think the most interesting facet of it if you're if you're San Antonio and if you're talking about this is um, they've had multiple guys in their system that really couldn't shoot who then blossomed into good shooters good scorers and not even just shooting obviously um, you know they, they've got uh, Chip England I think that, that is the shooting coach that's been there forever I think he's still yes. there um, oh yeah, I mean, so they've—I mean, development-wise, that's been a big part of why they've had the success they've had. Is that they're key guys, and I mean, guys that are big pieces, first-round picks that they develop the hell out of, and they just work with and work with and work with. Um, and if that's the long game that you're playing with Simmons, that you bring him in, you figure at least a guy is wildly talented. I imagine there's not a universe in which you would let go of Dejounte Murray. I would hope that there's not in a situation like this. Um, so if you hold on to him and you kind of put everyone else like a tier below that, beneath that, if you're trading a couple of those guys and if you could realistically do it, again, I don't think the Sixers would, 
Um, and you bank on Simmons kind of becoming more than what he is offensively right now. And again, you know, this is the question that you had a moment ago or the thing that you raised a, a couple minutes ago just with having Mitchell and Simmons in a backcourt in Sacramento or whether backcourt, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. If you have Murray and, and Ben Simmons on the same team, Simmons learns how to shoot. And then maybe you were able to keep a, you know, a younger piece or two among the ones that Steve just mentioned. That's not a bad team. I mean, they don't have a bad team now anyway, as far as looking forward. But, um, you know, someone may kind of hit the lotto here just in terms of getting Simmons on the cheap and then him developing another skill, which, you know, I've said this several times now, I think on this podcast about Giannis, he really doesn't have that many holes in his game. I mean, he's got one prominent hole that we all can tell and see and point out. Uh, Simmons is kind of along the same lines. I mean, it's a confidence issue with him as well in a way that it's not with Giannis. Um, but, I mean, if Simmons learned how to shoot within the next two to three years, you think about all the things that makes a difference for his aggression because he's not as afraid to get fouled. If he can make shots at the free throw line, you know, if, if, if it turns out to be his jump shooting that takes a big leap forward, I mean, it'll be one of those things where all of a sudden we'll be talking about how Philly blew this because they wanted to trade for something right now and they could have held on to him and had him play along Embiid for their whole career. Um, I don't know that that'll happen. I don't necessarily think it'll happen. If it does, it may not happen in the next two to three years. But he's young enough to where theoretically it could. And, you know, a team like San Antonio could just be a huge beneficiary of that. And they obviously have, you know, the development staff to kind of make that more realistic than it would be for other teams, I think. Yeah, and, I mean, if Simmons learns to shoot, you're right, it changes everything. It changes how defenses guard him in the pick and roll and his ability to run pick and roll and uh, just a million different things. Shooting opens up everything. Uh, He can play off the ball and do all these. It's just like he's way more malleable. Um, So I guess the, the, the verdict here is that the Sixers would not be interested in making a trade with the Spurs. But what are your, is that kind of what I'm inferring from what you're saying? I don't, think I see enough there I I think they'd probably want a bigger those are a lot of really nice individual pieces I think Pirtle obviously is a very nice piece that analytically is always near the top of the leaderboard you watch him play and you kind of see how and why that is Um, Derek White is you know very very nice and you know shows just enough on both sides of the ball Uh, again I don't think that they're giving up Murray I maybe I'm wrong on that I know that you're really high on him obviously and wrote the fantastic feature on him um, I just kind of see that. I don't know if any of their guys are untouchable, but I imagine that they probably would be really reluctant to go there with him. Keldon Johnson was very nice, had the you know the Olympic run. Uh, Pop obviously loves him. But I just don't know if there's anyone there that you're so excited about that fills your immediate need of either some ball handling to replace Simmons or just dynamite shooting to kind of stretch out the floor a little bit more. Um, not to mention that the Sixers went and got Drummond, at least for this year, um, you know, if Pirtle were to be a piece that they were targeting, it'd be nice for them. But they, you know, they got someone that they didn't have to pay anything um, who will, you know, eat up a bunch yeah, of rebounds. I, I, He's not I, as – I mean, I, I hear you on that. I, I know where you're going with that. <laughs> I feel the same way. But I, I, don't, I don't think there's enough that moves the Sixers here unless you're including a bunch of picks, you know. And even if you are um, – you probably would want a little bit more of a player return than what the – Spurs have to offer here 
Yeah, Spurs would have to give up the bank in terms of draft capital, and I don't know. I think that you can get a better... I like all the pieces in San Antonio, although I don't know about the Jimmy Butler-Kyle Lowry comparisons, but... Um, yeah, I didn't understand that. I do like all the pieces there. Um, sorry, San Antonio. You'll just have to grow it organically, which is something you're very used to, and you've had more success than basically anyone doing. So have fun right. there. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Our next email comes in from uh, Dan, who writes, Listening to your rankings pods gave me an idea. Outlooks with best case, worst case, and most probable scenarios, and what has to happen to realize those scenarios. So Dan Dan's email is much longer than what I just read, and to streamline his idea um, and kind of build on the message, I want to know... Chris, which team for this upcoming season has the most variance? Um, meaning, you know, I think everyone knows what variance means, but just the widest Delta, range. Delta, Alpha, Omega. <laughs> Sorry, had to had to take the opportunity. It was wide open. <laughs> which team has Horrible the widest? <laughs> no, it's great. Which team has the <laughs> widest range of just bad to good that you can envision in this upcoming year? Do I make? It, do you understand what the project is? I understand it perfectly. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. I, I I've been beating this drum. You know, I may even kind of write about it again. I, I still think it's the Bulls. I, I you get some really smart people. You and I have had this conversation a little bit already. That um, which I, yes, I just called us smart, so we're bragging a little bit. Great. Oh, that's um, wonderful. I like it. <laughs> I, I'm surprised. I'm not surprised that you like it. Um, I, I mean, I think the Bulls could be really good. Um. Uh, you know, relative to what they've been, I, 
I could see them. I wrote this a couple weeks ago. I could see a universe in which they, you know, kind of surprise people and finish as a home court advantage team in the East. I'm not sure I think it'll happen, but I could see how mm-hmm. it happens. Um, there, there's no reason they shouldn't be really, really good on offense. Um, there are questions about their defense, but as you and I talked about a couple weeks ago, um, they were 12th in the league in defense. Now, granted, some of that was, um, you know, some people are critical of Levine's defense still. I think he's improved a little bit on that end. Um, some of their defense was kind of surprisingly good toward the end of the season because they were playing too big with Tice and Vooch. Um, Tice is not there anymore, so maybe that changes things. DeRozan's and Lowry. And, and, uh, and Lowry Markinen too. So there's that. They went and got Lonzo and Alex Caruso, who are both pretty good on that end of the floor. Um, Alex Caruso is very good on that end of the floor. Um, DeRozan obviously is really bad on that end of the floor. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think that it's probably worth the trade-off when you consider how good he is on offense and how much stress both he and Lonzo obviously is, you know, as a point guard will take off of Zach Levine as a ball handler. So I, there's a universe in which I could see them being surprisingly good, surprisingly to most people, but it wouldn't be a, a huge shock to me, um, where they could be really good on offense and be at least average, if not good, on defense too, quite frankly. So I you know, I could see them being good. Um, I could see them not being great too and you know, maybe struggling to get into the playoffs where when we're talking about that, we're talking about at least – a six or seven spot swing in the East. If, if we go from talking about maybe them, their ceiling being a four seed to now all of a sudden, we're not sure if they're in the playoffs, which in past years, I guess would have meant nine, but maybe now 10, 11, you know, mm-hmm. I, I could see them being anywhere in that span. Uh, I tend to think they'll be higher on the higher end of that. Um, you know, I think some people would say the Knicks, I feel a little bit more confident about them than I do the bulls. Uh, just because I kind of feel like they, uh, they added to what they had last year. I think that their defense was consistent, and I think that they'll still be pretty good defensively. Um, but, hey, like Randall was like an MVP candidate last year. I don't know if he's going to be that great. Um, you know, they're adding a guy that um, <laughs> as much of a joke as it was during the offseason and during his intro press conference. Um, I think Mark Berman from the New York Post asked Kimba, how much do you expect to play? What do you think the back-to-back situation will be? Uh, and, and you know, he was like, I guess you got to ask Tibbs. And Tibbs was like, he's going to play a lot. And it was a joke. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> I don't know if you want Kimba playing a whole lot. You know, as far as, you know, minutes and stuff like that, like, mm-hmm. it probably is to his benefit to play less than that. Uh, and, you know, they, they brought back Derrick Rose on what eventually looked like a pretty reasonable contract. But and they're getting rid of Alfred Payton, which, you know, was kind of an anchor for them. Anchor meaning like it was an anvil was probably more accurate. Yeah, he was word dragging than down. Anchor. Yeah, it's dragging them down. So, like, I, I could see how they could be good. I could see how maybe they're not quite as great. You know, Randall's numbers take a dip. Uh, the defense maybe uh, says uncle a little bit earlier in games where they just are worn down um, if they do play certain guys too much. We'll, we'll see. I don't know. Um I don't know, I, I, but I think the Bulls, are for me, are the big, big swing team, uh, certainly in the East, but maybe in the whole league that I would point out, um, where they have the highest variance between good scenario, bad scenario. Yeah, the Bulls, are they popped into my head for sure with this. I, I'm also high on them, but can, you know, I'm also a realistic person and can see things going sour um, in particularly on the defensive end in ways that are really damaging. 
Um, my team is one I just can't, I can't, I, I just have no idea how good they're going to be. And that is the Los Angeles Clippers. I look, there's obviously the Kawhi Leonard situation and we do just, we just don't know when this guy's going to come back and look like Kawhi Leonard. And he's not only their best player, but one of the best players alive to top five, probably when healthy, I think it's fair to say. And so not having him is, you know, that kind of limits what your ceiling is and lowers it uh, significantly for the sake of, are you a championship contender? But for the regular season, I, I have no idea what this team, like how good this team is going to be. I mean, they have so much quality up and down their roster. I like the, 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 the moves they made this off season. I liked their ability to bring back Batum and bring back Reggie Jackson, two guys that were critical for them in the playoffs. They looked really good without Kawhi um, in the postseason after he went down. They beat the number one seed Utah Jazz. They were very competitive against the the Phoenix Suns in the Western Conference Finals and could have won that series if the ball bounces um, a different way in a couple of those games. So I say all that, and then it's just like I, th- I think about the regular season and you know if paul george sprains his ankle or you know if they just are not interested in wearing down paul george in a season where uh you can't win the title if Kawhi leonard isn't healthy it's just like not gonna happen like so are you just gonna like let paul george um grind his body into dust he's not super young um so I could just see it going a lot of different ways, frankly. And they were not very good when Paul George and Kawhi Leonard last season, when both those guys were not on the floor, either of those guys were not on the floor. So the range there is just, it's huge for me. I think that they could, I don't know how high they could go. I mean, you know, uh, maybe like four in the way, like, could that happen again? I don't think it's impossible technically could i guess uh four or five seed uh you know they tied the denver nuggets for the third best record in the league last year um but like in terms of like bottoming out i you know they could miss the could they miss the playoffs? yeah sure they could miss the playoffs like (laughs) the west isn't isn't a cakewalk there are some really good teams especially if damian lillard stays put um especially if jamal murray comes back sooner than we anticipate especially if clay thompson comes back and just looks like clay thompson like so the Clippers are are confusing me, and I see um, a wide range of, of outcomes for that team. So I'm going to piggyback up what you said, and I think it'll dovetail us in the, what I think was the next point we were going to get into for the podcast, probably end with, was I thought when you said Los Angeles, you were going to say the Lakers. Um, because, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, I mean, there was a wide array of thoughts about what this offseason was for them as well. Um, you know, kind of, did they maybe raise the ceiling of this team, but maybe potential ceiling of the team, but maybe hurt the floor by doing what they did. Maybe they blew the floor apart completely as far as, and and it's probably a little bit harsh, but the idea of like getting Russell Westbrook, um, with their guys that they had, they had a really strong rotation of players that they kind of killed their depth a little bit. Now, granted, they went out and replenished some of that. I think, you know, quite frankly, I think getting Rondo back was actually a really nice move for them that they did earlier this week. Uh, You know, so I 
I like that for them, but you know, their defense on the wings uh, took a hit. Certainly, uh, I think losing Caruso, which we talked about, the Bulls was a big one. Caldwell Pope was very, you know, I was about to say quietly, not that quietly. You know, in the year they won the title, he was massive. He's the third in best player. Series. Yeah. So I mean, they they lost some real depth here. I mean, they also lost Andre Drummond, who I think that they'll 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 muddle through without him. I think. Um, that's addition by subtraction right there right i i always thought that was an awkward fit for them but um you know i i I get the you know getting westbrook is is glitzy and i get that lebron probably is really excited about that i tend to think that players uh generally think that oh we're getting a star player this is great you know I, i tend to think that they think that way as opposed to really thinking through exactly the way they fit um you know you and i've already had conversations i've written about the idea of um you know, in theory, third option, Russell Westbrook sounds wonderful. Again, in practice, I don't, you know, the idea of a third option normally being the guy that gets extra shots because teams are leaving him open because they can't afford to not double Davis or LeBron. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, but Russell Westbrook leaving him open has generally been a good strategy for teams. Uh, Russell Westbrook's not someone that's moving off the ball. So, I mean, that's a team where I see some variance too. But I also think a ton of it, and you know, for the sake of our outline, I know you said don't let's not focus too much on injuries. But I mean, with this team, with LeBron as old as he is, and Anthony Davis as fragile physically as he is, I mean, I don't know how you can talk about any of that without really focusing heavily on Davis and what you know what sort of season he'll have because last year was just not was just not great for him, which you wrote a story about, which was great. Thank you for um, just this. This is why we're, we're 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 a tag team here. That was just beautiful work by you, Chris. L a s i k LASIK dot com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK dot com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. 
Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. As was aforementioned, I did want to talk about Anthony Davis and not to step on an exercise that we might have planned for a future episode, but I wrote this article about AD earlier this week for SI.com, and it's essentially a reminder that AD is one of the best players in the world, and also that AD is coming off the worst season of his career in a lot of ways. So my question here is just, which version of Davis do you think we get this year? Is it the top three player in the world behemoth who swarmed the bubble and had a historic postseason run on the way to winning a title as arguably his team's best player? Or is it the guy we saw last year who, you know, even when he was healthy, was by his standards, I felt languishing through the regular season. He was taking fewer shots at the rim. He was drawing fewer free throws than ever before, hoisting more mid-range shots, not really hitting those mid-range shots, not hitting his threes, um, generally playing more cautious basketball than someone of his physical stature can and, frankly, should and that his team needs. Like, So wh- which version of AD are we, are we getting? Are we getting... A, a player we haven't seen before in terms of his impact in a good way or was last year more telling than I think Lakers fans would like it to be I mean I think the real thing we've seen for the last two years now with Davis aside from injuries which um, I'd always said this about him he's never quite ever had that one huge injury where he's just out and misses a whole season I feel like the way we talk about him is if he's been injury prone his whole career and missed like every season because of it. And it's not the case. Like without looking, you know, completely uh, and without having basketball reference pulled up, last season was probably the most games he's missed as a percentage ever. Um, you know, and I think he missed what half the games? Was it exactly half the games or a little bit more than half or whatever it was? Like he's yeah, never yeah. missed that much time, I don't think. Um, mm-hmm. So, so from that standpoint, I mean, you, you need him to be available more. Uh, you need him to be healthy. That's for, for sure. Um, and assuming he is available and that he's able to play more and he's healthier, uh, from there, I think the question is, uh, like, which Anthony Davis is the real one? It's probably not last year's. But it's also probably not the one we saw in the finals either and the, the postseason and everything where he was just lights out where – you know, this dude's looking like J.J. Redick from three. You know, not current J.J. Redick, who I still think is without a team, but like previous J.J. Redick. And, um, you know, just gunning. And I, mean, I remember hitting the game-winning shot against the Nuggets. And, uh, you know, it was just unstoppable. I don't think that that's necessarily AD either. And even if it is, again, when we talk about Russell Westbrook and what he brings to that team, wildly athletic, you know, certainly can score, certainly can set other guys up to score. But also is going to be someone that probably collapses the paint around what AD is trying to do. So it's not going to be a situation where he's enjoying this wonderful spacing. And if he's not, you know, can you really expect AD's numbers to really climb really significantly as a jump shooter? Um, I think you could see him get more shots of the basket because of the pick and roll game with Russ, you know, from time to time when LeBron's not handling the ball Um, Mm -hmm. and just the pressure that Russ will put on them at the basket. Um, but I, I don't know that I'm expecting him to have like this massive season. It might be better than last year. It needs to be better than last year, but I don't, I could very easily see it somewhere in between how bad last year was for him and 
how great the finals were. It's probably, mm-hmm. you know, an average of those two as opposed to being either one of those two extremes. Yeah, you might be right. I, I, I think that the Lakers need him to be the player in the bubble for them to get where they want to go. Like, I think he needs to be their best player. I think he needs to be, I mean, he's 28 years old. He should be still improving, frankly. I don't think there's like any reason why he shouldn't, despite the ridiculous numbers he's put up in his career. Um, I understand that he won't have as high of a usage and playing with Russell Westbrook, you know, the touches just aren't going to be there, frankly. Um, There was a report that he was upset with Dennis Schroeder's inability to throw lob passes, and Russell Westbrook can throw lob passes, so that is wonderful for Anthony Davis and will maybe keep him happier than he was last season with a different point guard. But you're right, in the playoffs, it's like, He's going to get doubled. Like, no, like I, whoever's guarding Russell Westbrook, unless Russell Westbrook suddenly turns into the greatest cutter in NBA history, um, that yeah. player is going to be doubling Anthony Davis on every post touch. And they, the Lakers like to get Anthony Davis the ball early in the post and let him operate, let him survey. Um, as we saw, I mean, the Lakers versus the Rockets in that series in the bubble – they were just doubling off of Russell Westbrook's man to James Harden like over and over and over again until that series was just like a, a, a total joke. So, you know, LeBron is obviously still there and still wonderful. Um, they have better shooters around AD now than they did when they won the title and um, definitely last season. So that's great. There's also the, is AD going to play the five this season? Is he going to embrace that position that lets them kind of open things up a little bit more positionally and with their lineups and um, be a little bit more flexible? And I, I think there's just all a lot of, there are a lot of questions here. And I, th- I compared him to Giannis a little bit in my story because I think that that contrast is fascinating where you have Giannis obviously wins the title, the finals MVP, but he's in a situation where every piece was built to accentuate his skill set around him. Like he's the right. center of everything. And that's really not the case with Anthony Davis. He's just like this super duper star next to LeBron. And then we're just going to throw all this other stuff at them and as many talented pieces as we can afford at them and see what happens. And it worked out two years ago to their credit. They won the title in the bubble. Um, but I, like you're, you're needing him to be the best defender in the NBA, right? It's like, that's what you need with the roster that you have around him. And yep. you need him to hit the mid range shots because uh, you know, even if there is great spacing, double teams are going to happen and he's going to have to shoot over the top a lot. So I I think it's a really fascinating question. Personally, I know no one's talking about Anthony Davis right now and everyone's kind of focused on the fit with Russ and everybody, but he to me is just this this, um, critical variable for the upcoming season. I mean, I I think you put it best, really. They're not going to win a title. I don't care how well LeBron and Russ play. If you don't have Davis there, they're not going to win a title, meaning health wise. Um, mm-hmm. and even if he is there and he just doesn't play particularly well, it's kind of hard to imagine. I mean, at this point, depending on your matchups, like if he doesn't win his matchup against the Suns, for instance, like I think there's a very good argument to be made that the Suns win that series anyway, if Davis just doesn't play well enough, um, with the way Aiton was playing, like, I mean, did you see the guy? So. Uh, 
I mean, it's just, you know, between that, if the Nuggets are closer to full strength, you know, the Nuggets would have the better center in that series if Davis isn't able to play well enough. Um, you know, I do think Davis at full health is, is you know, a, a handful for someone like Jokic it would be a really fun matchup to watch. But, um, you know, just some of those matchups in the West become really, really difficult if Davis isn't himself or, or if he's just pushed out of his comfort zone or if, you know, Russ's Russ's presence makes it more difficult on him as far as where his touches come from or how much pressure he's seeing because of, you know, Russ's presence. It, it, it's going to be a really, really interesting year. I mean, I think you could say when you talk about swing players, you know, to win a title this year um, and, you know, kind of their presence or absence or health or just how well they play determining whether their team can win a title, Davis has to be, I would say, like, no farther down on the list than two or three in the entire league as far as dictating who wins the next title. Um, you know, I imagine you'd probably take any one of the uh, the Nets guys and maybe they're at number one, but Davis is probably number two on that list, I think. Yeah, so I think that that'll, that'll do it for today's show. Um, this was fun. I'm glad that we had a really comprehensive Donda conversation at the top. That was great. <laughs> um, <laughs> and of course, thank you to all of our listeners for the emails. Um, openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. Uh, we will be back next week. Uh, I'm going to be on the road, but recording an episode ahead of time with a special guest. And then um, early in the week, I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen, but it'll be fun and it'll be a joy. And we can't wait for you to uh, tune in and listen. So until then, uh, everybody, please stay safe and everybody, please continue to enjoy the offseason. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Open a limited time 11 month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org/cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Yeah. 
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.